rifling through those long boxes and bagging those books. Welcome to your home for Star Wars comics. This is the Cosmic Force Podcast, a Utini Podcast Network production. And now, here are your hosts, Tyler Reganti, Emma Park, Caleb Lamanek, and Jacob Bosch. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 63 of The Cosmic Force. I am one of your hosts, Emma Park, and tonight we are celebrating the start of the comic adaptation of season one of The Mandalorian by discussing Mandalorians in comics. We're also celebrating a huge, very special milestone from one of Star Wars' most prolific authors. But first, let's go around the horn and introduce my fellow co-hosts, starting with Caleb Lamanek. Caleb, how are you doing tonight? Good. I, you caught me a little by surprise. Usually I'm like number three on the list. But I'm like, oh, wait. Oh, we're down one of our normal hosts, but we have a couple of great uh, you know, extras here for the Utini team that were uh, that stepped up here. So we're going to have a full house and a great time through here. I'm wearing my Mandalorian uh, shirt. I got my Mandalorian flag. Let me get the right hand here. And I think we're ready to talk about um, the way that we have to read comics now. Interesting. I, I'm wondering what you're teasing at there. So very nice, very nice. And uh, like we've had for the last bunch of weeks, the awesome, the amazing Timothy Guthrie with his Cobb Vance shirt. Woo, woo, woo. Hello, friends. Nice. Not exactly a Mandalorian, but he's wearing the suit. So it counts and it the counts. word is there. So that's also <laughs> fine. <laughs> um, how's it going? It has been a heck of a week um, and I am glad to be here with you all. And I have not read a lot of the comics we're going to talk about. So I'm excited to do a lot of learning. So bring it on. Awesome. Love to hear it. And returning to the Cosmic Force, it hasn't been too long since you've last seen him. Um, you know, Stephen, I think we have to blame you for some of the technical difficulties because this happened last time you were here and it hasn't happened the last few weeks, but it happened again tonight. So everyone, Stephen Smith, what an introduction. <laughs> hey, hi, thanks for having me. This is my uh, second podcast with you guys. And so it's second Utini podcast in general. So yeah. um, I'm, we love this you is over all here. just a ploy for me to eventually just sneak on and just become a permanent resident. So hi, thanks it, for having your, me. Your wall is sick, dude. I gotta say. Yes, I'm, it's I'm very on you. brand. <laughs> Thank you. I've taken, I've taken time with it. My favorite addition to this, which is added recently, I got it from the airport, is my, the Vanity Fair issue, right? Sick. There. Oh, <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's very neat. Yeah, yeah, it's got that Annie Leibovitz photography in it, which I, uh, I'm a photographer, so I really love uh, that sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't love a good Annie Leibovitz photograph, especially when it's Star Wars, you know? Mm -hmm. You can't, you can't I, beat it. I, I know you didn't have to, but I just imagined in my mind that the only place you could find a uh, a magazine nowadays was at an airport. So you <laughs> didn't have to fly anywhere. You just went into the lobby like, I need a newspaper. Like, where is it? <laughs> That's that's kind of on point these days, honestly. I mean, airport and grocery store checkout basically are like the two the two main places. And and for the grocery store, it's mostly just like tabloids. It's not things like Vanity Fair. So, which yeah, which is which some, is some people might class, count, which is a high yeah. class tabloid. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> as, All right, as, uh, taboo, as it were. Tabloid. Yeah, there, 
very good pun. Very good pun. Well, if you're joining us for the first time, we don't normally talk about magazines and we don't normally do puns, but we're doing that tonight. Uh, welcome, everyone. Uh, we are a Star Wars comics podcast that broadcasts live right here on youtube.com slash utini every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern time. If you can't join us live because that is okay, we're available on all of your favorite podcast platforms. We're also part of the Utini Podcast Network of Shows and a Discord channel at utini.com slash Discord with more than a thousand members and dozens of channels to choose from. If you like what you see and want to say thanks, head over to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Utini, where for as little as $5 a month, you can gain exclusive access to the entire Utini podcast network of shows, as well as exclusive merch and community involvement activities. Uh, Usually I do our Patreon update, but it feels right to have Timothy, our, our Patreon manager, do the update this week. So Timothy, what do we have? We have, in addition to all of our lovely usual patrons who are just the light of our lives, as uh, if you will, we have a new one joining the ranks. Jason joined us at the annual level. I Yay. am uh, super excited about it. Welcome to the Patreon community. Um, you get lots of fun things, um, bonus shows a little bit early, like three months early, which is really cool. Um, and yeah, just a lot of, you get a funky color in a uh, discord, um, if you're in there as well. So get access to a couple of special channels and, um, all that. So thanks for joining us. Um, and there's some exciting things we're, we're working on some things behind the scenes, maybe some releases, maybe some other things I'm not going to say we're working on some stuff. Um, and we've got some fun announcements to make here in the coming weeks. So stay tuned. You joined at the right time. That is quite a tease right there. I love it. I love it. Um, we're going to just move right into our weekly pull list because that's what I, that's what I have up next on the screen. Uh, <laughs> so uh, starting out with uh, Darth Vader number 25 called No Calm Before the Storm, written by Greg Pack with pencils by Rafael Ianco, colors by Carlos Lopez, letters by Joe Caramanga, and the cover is by Paul Renaud, which by the way, this cover is sick. It's like, it's really got that, sandstorm vibe but it's not it's not it doesn't look like fake it's 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 cool it's it's a good cover if you're listening to us um instead of watching us you should look it up um okay and then the next one we have here uh this is like a really good week um for new comics uh we also have han solo and chewbacca number four called Mm. the crystal run part four written by mark guggenheim with pencils by david messina colors by alex sinclair letters by joe caramanga and cover is by Phil Noto and y'all this cover Black Chrysanthemum. Oh my goodness. It's so good. I, I will take a Phil Noto cover any day, any yeah, day. I absolutely. love it. And Chrysanthemum's sick. Love He's BK. So cool. <laughs> he is indeed. Who knew that, who knew that Chewbacca had met him before Star Wars 2015? Like I couldn't have guessed it, but here we are. Um, all right. Next up is the or I should say last up is the big one, the big, big one. It is uh, what what is our, our special anniversary, but I'll get into that after I tell you who it's written by. Uh, this is Star Wars 2020, number 25, um, all written by Charles Soule. These are four shorts. There's four shorts in this uh, one book, uh, all written by Charles Soule. Uh, the first short is called Obi-Wan and Anakin, The Lesson, with pencils by Ramon Rosanas. Colors by Rochelle Rosenberg and letters by Clayton Cowles. Uh, The next story is Darth Vader. It's also called The Lesson. Uh, Pencils by Giuseppe Camincoli. Inks by Danielle Orlandini. Colors by R.F. Prianto and letters by Clayton Cowles. 
The next one is Kylo Ren. See you around, kid, which I already know is going to make me sad. <laughs> Pencils <Truth>. by <laughs> Will Sliney. Colors by Guru EFX and letters by Clayton Cowles. Last up, we have Poe Dameron, a eulogy for Snap. Also going to make me sad. <laughs> Pencils by Phil Noto and letters by Clayton Cowles. Uh, the cover for this issue that you see here uh, is by uh, Carlo Pagulayan, Jason Paz, and Rochelle Rosenberg. Uh, but I, I, we normally don't show variants on Weekly Poll, but because this is a special week, uh, I did want to show a variant that both Steven and I have purchased physically because it is, it's, it's very cool, very special. Uh, this variant is by Steve McNiven, and this shows um, like all of the main characters, I, most of the main characters, this can't be all of them, but most of the main characters that Charles Soule has written throughout his career in Star Wars comics. And uh, the, the reason that this issue is so special, you're probably thinking, this is Star Wars 2020. Why are we talking about Kylo Ren? Why are we talking about Poe Dameron? Why are we talking about Obi-Wan Anakin? Um, this is because this is Charles Soule's 100th written issue of a Star Wars comic period. And it's a huge achievement that I don't think has been accomplished by too many other people. And, you know, he's, he's one of our, our favorite comics writers. I know I can speak for everyone here and we're just so happy to all be experiencing these stories. And, you know, I speak for all of us, not even on the show, but all of us at Utini, when we say like, thank you, Charles soul for these awesome, amazing stories, because you've gotten so many people into comics with your writing. You've kept so many people into comics with your writing and you've broken some really huge stories. So, uh, really excited. I wanted to ask a question to the group, um, just to, uh, you know, in celebration of, uh, of Charles Soule's 100th issue of a star Wars comic, I want to know what is everyone's favorite comic by soul. And I'll start, it is Dark Lord of the Sith for me. And it, I, you know, I wrote in the notes, it isn't even close. And then I thought about it and I was like, oh, Rise of Color is a little close, but but it's definitely Dark Lord of the Sith. I love what he did with um, Vader exploring his past as Anakin and sort of fighting the urge to want to be good again. And he brought back Jocasta new and made her a badass. Like that was awesome. And we got to learn more about the Inquisitors. I think it just did so much um, story-wise. And I, I, when I think of Charles Soule's writing outside of the higher public, I absolutely think of Dark Lord of the Sith. So um, I don't know. I think maybe let's start with, let's start with Timothy. Timothy, what's your favorite Charles Soule comic? Yeah. So I'm going to say favorite and kind of because it's more recent, but I'm going to say War of the Bounty Hunters. And it's for, mm -hmm. for like a kind of strange reason, um, or maybe not strange, strange isn't the right word, but essentially it looked like he was having the time of his life when he was writing it. Um, yeah. and, and I love when you can tell that authors and creators are really behind what they're doing and, and like, like putting their all into it and getting to see more recently with all of the big, uh, like, uh, uh, Boba Fett busts that have been coming out. Um, yeah. and you know, it's the all black and the Steve McNiven art is there, like getting to see him kind of relive in that space. Um, so much is really, really cool. Um, and I'd have to add that it was also one of the things along with dark Lord of the Sith that got me to read a lot of his original work, um, both his comics and his books. And I cannot recommend those enough. Um, dude awesome. is, is probably my favorite author of all time at this point. Um, he kills it. So kudos. Yeah. It's about to say, what a bounty hunter versus camp like you got all of his toys out from the toy bin yep you know yep. yeah he was just loving a, it that's very apt yeah steven do you have one yeah um i it's so hard i love dark lord of the sith 
Um, that that was actually the first Star Wars comic that I ever read. It's such um, a great choice. Cool. Yeah. And it's I I had actually looked it up on um uh, I, I didn't know where to start, mostly because getting started with comics is kind of daunting and overwhelming. Yes. You're like, I don't yeah. I don't know where to start. There's like <laughs> there's and there's a bunch of different Vader comics. Anyways, that was the first one that I read and loved, loved that comic, mostly because the lore that it introduced. Um, I, I don't want to spoil anything for anyone who hasn't read it, but there's just some really interesting lore and story elements that that comic brings up that are just so cool. Um, I also love, um, I really liked the rise of, uh, Kylo Ren. That was a great Charles soul comic as well. Um, and yeah, to kind of piggyback off of what Timothy was saying is his, uh, I had never heard of Charles soul until I found him with through star Wars. And then I wanted to read his, I'm actually on his newsletter now. And it's so good. It is so good. It's so good. Yeah. And I like, uh, I've read a bunch of his other comics too. I'm currently reading uh, a new one that actually just got picked up by Amazon. It's called 8 Billion Genies. And the, the premise is, is that everyone in the world gets a genie. And it is- That's so cool. What? It's insane. It's an insane yeah. story. Um, that's great. Undiscovered Country is another really good one from, from Charles Soule. Uh, Curse Words. He's just, he's a great author. So anyway, I, those- all of them, they're all good. <laughs> he is he honestly is good. Facts. He he is my favorite. <laughs> yeah, he's solid. It's facts. There's never a bad thing that Charles Soul writes. Like I literally can't say anything bad about anything he's written. <laughs> I, I feel like I know what Caleb's going to choose. I mean, maybe is he is he is he gonna is he gonna throw us a curveball? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I think I'm gonna go with War of the Bounty Hunters. Oh, let's, well, you, you haven't oh. listened to our backlog yet, apparently. Uh, yeah, mm. I was going to say, let's Don't test get me wrong. your cosmic There's a ton of it, But, <laughs> but uh, this, this might sound a little disingenuous, but it is his first comic that he did for Star Wars. So I don't want to say it's all been downhill from then. <laughs> <laughs> seems wrong. It's not. It's been good, but it's got to be Lando 2015. Lando mm. 2015. Like, I remember when I was, when these comics were first coming out, I got a bunch of them all at once. I was going through them camp one after the other to get really back into Star Wars. And all of it kind of blended together a little bit until I got to Lando and read it. I'm like, oh, this like was head and shoulders above everything else. Like, Lando 2015 is my, um, it's the benchmark. It's my 10 out of 10. It's my perfect Star Wars comic. Yeah, not. Not surprised. <laughs> exactly. That is my, and that, you know, I'm looking at the title of next week's episode, but you know, we'll might be talking about it soon again. <laughs> I'm, I'm have no doubt, Caleb. I, I have no doubt. Hopefully, I mean, maybe we'll get a, a another cape appearance. Uh, who knows? But, uh, we're in a heat wave right now, folks. Um, so I don't know. Like it's the whole country. I can, sp- I can speak for you too. Um, exactly. Anyways, uh, that was weekly pull list, uh, kind of a different weekly pull list this week, but felt like we definitely had to do something special for um, this special moment. And I'm really excited because Charles Soul is going to Fan Expo Boston. I also happen to be going to Fan Expo Boston. Um, so I'm going to be bringing my you know special variant cover of this issue to get him to sign it. Uh, so did you get the is, is it the the um, the virgin variant? Or does it still have, have the no idea? Like, okay, I ordered mine from Midtown Comics and I just picked the only one that they had with that 
cover so i don't know we're gonna see like yeah we're gonna see it hasn't come yet so um i will update everyone on that but um yeah steven which one did you get i got hold on i sent uh it's upstairs i should have brought it downstairs with me um (laughs) that's okay i think i think i remember from the picture i think it was I don't think it had any of like that Marvel information. On no, it, no, it's on okay, cool. It just says yeah, that's that's good. yeah, that's awesome. Sweet. That, that's the one you want as a collector. Yeah, for well, sure. good because it was uh, more than four dollars. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I was telling everybody uh, in our Cosmic Force chat. I never. Well, I first of all, I rarely buy physical comics. Second of all, I rarely spend more than like the a cover price on on comics but you know i i had to i had to do this like so it kind of you know it says how much i really enjoy like his work because i'm willing to spend 25 dollars on a comic <laughs> that's how so, much i spent yeah oh look look we got the same price maybe i did get the virgin one then i don't know we'll see um but yeah that's the end of weekly pull list as always um all the links to the new issues from today are down in the description below so We're going to move right into what we're loving. And um, we do have a community uh, submission for Art of the Week. Caleb, take it away. Exactly. This week's winner is from Admiral Akbar, uh, 1983. Uh, This community submission comes from the Age of Republic, Qui-Gon Jinn, the the, uh, kind of one-shots that they were doing during the Age of. This one shows Qui-Gon Jinn just... um, Reminding us that, you know, you know, sometimes Qui-Gon Jinn and Liam Neeson's ter- character from Taken were kind of the same person as just <laughs> um, destroys something like in D&D, I called them like a like a banelings, but essentially like little twig monster aliens, just some really great color work with him in the blue and green with the enemies in the red, just really dynamic. I love it when like a comic shows just a bunch of fluid motions as you see the same character like uh, striking different power poses just really really great uh work here this uh pencils were by Corey smith inks by walden wong and the colors by java tatagera gila so just a really great artwork here so that was a uh 10 out of 10 uh, uh suggestion here awesome it, yeah it, love it it just makes me want more qui-gon in comics Same. <laughs> like he's he's perfect for it same i feel like this is a very timely submission um and i also feel like this almost feels like vader-esque to me in a lot of ways because like it looks like he's fighting some sort of spirit i don't i don't remember that comic super well but it it looks like that might be what's happening that happens in the vader comics a lot where he fights like sort of Mm -hmm. mirages that he that Mm -hmm. he sees so ghosts of his past so yeah thank you Akbar, uh, if you want to be, you listener, want to be uh, supported and and shouted out during the show, uh, hit us up on our Discord at uh, utini.com. There's a post in that chat. You know, we got, we've been having a lot more uh, traction these last few weeks. I'm all for it. So yeah, keep uh, blowing us up. Covers, splash pages, single panels, whatever you're interested in, whatever you think we might like, post it there and we'll get you uh, featured one of these days, Okay. Yeah, absolutely. We love going through them every week and sometimes sometimes it's a battle, you know, which which one's going to win. But yeah, we love going through them. So definitely keep sending them in. Uh, up next for what we're loving, uh, we are going to talk about what uh, what we're well, usually we talk about what we're reading, but I guess this week it's just going to be like some notable. It's going to be a mix, you know, some notable things um, from the group. Um, 
I haven't, I read a couple things for today, which we'll talk about later, but other than that, nothing super notable um, from me, but Timothy, I promised the audience this week mm-hmm. that I would show the picture from, of, uh, from last week with uh, you and Caleb and both of your, Hannah. your wives, both of um, our Hannah's, <laughs> yeah, both of your Hannah's. Yes. <laughs> Which if I, if I, if I miss, if I misspoke, it's like, you know, it's like a uh, picture with Hannah. It's like, Oh wait, no, there's two Hannah's. <laughs> so Little let me know fact that the plural of Hannah is actually Hannah. That's fascinating. True. <laughs> and, and isn't no, Hannah spelled backwards? It's it is oh, a palindrome. Like, it? it is. No, yes, it's not. Okay. Wait, what? (laughs) Hannah is a palindrome. No, the plural Hannah is not Hannah. It's I would believe it. (laughs) I I definitely fell for it. Okay. So, anyways, wow. Here is the picture. And I love this. Where were you guys, by the way? Um, it's a restaurant in uh in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee called the local goat. It's a um, Like it, it, like they have the the logo is like a well dressed goat with uh, like a wine glass, I think. But it's oh. like the thing is, it's a all locally sourced there. So like it, it's wild that you know we're also the exact same height too. So yeah, yeah. Uh, also both definitely. a little wooly. Um, <laughs> I, I've I've trimmed down since then, but so uh... have I. <laughs> yeah, it looks like Caleb has too. It, it it's so funny. Okay, because Timothy, you are so tall. Caleb, I, I did not Caleb imagine you being this me. tall. <laughs> but no, well, uh, I, well, I was surprised when I came around the corner and like first time seeing you in real life, like, oh, I'm on eye level with you. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I, no, I, I definitely thought that no one would be taller than Timothy because that's how tall Timothy is. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, interesting. So yeah, that was fun to see. I didn't actually know that you two were meeting up. So when I saw the picture in Slack, I was like, Oh my goodness. That's awesome. That's, that's so much fun. So exactly. it's always yeah. fun to, to meet people. And especially, you know, cause Caleb, you weren't at celebration and we all missed you. So I'm, I'm glad that you're like slowly building about, up your teeny meat count. I was about to say, you know, that's, that's the plan is maybe by next celebration, we'll all have seen each other the same amount of times. Hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Timothy, anything interesting you're reading? Uh, no. I um, am waiting on another X-Wing book to come up, uh, but I have taken a, a little bit of a hiatus. Um, I have been Fair blowing, enough. blowing through some. You really have. And I have like, let's take the books a and the comics. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 So okay. it's don't been blame good, me on though. the break. I'm, I'm soaking it in. I'm thinking back now that I've kind of let myself breathe a bit. Um, I was thinking about some of the older books that I read, like Shadows of Mendor. I read several weeks ago and I'm still thinking about it for some reason. Like I didn't have oh. the best time reading it, but it's oh. just nagging at me. Like, I want you to pay more attention to me. I was actually good. And I'm like, you know what? I think you're right. I think you're right. <laughs> so I love it when books do that. So, yeah. I feel like that was kind of my experience with Kenobi. Like we talked a lot about this on Legends Look Back, but it was like, I it didn't like grab me at first. And like, but like after I read it, I couldn't stop thinking about it, which means yep. in my mind, like it was better than I gave it credit for. So yep. interesting how books can do that to you. Yep. It's uh, a, a, a lesson in keeping an open mind as well. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, and also a lesson in that your opinions can change too. Like that's, yes. you know, that is perfectly fine people. Yes. Love it. Um, Caleb, what? are you reading um i'm beginning i can't kind of picked it back up so i'm slowly picking through the uh star wars legacy the uh 
the series set 150, oh, yeah. 130 ish years after the movies with uh with the uh with our anti-hero Kate Skywalker. There it's beginning to introduce a lot more interesting ideas. There's it's really starting to come together into like a real Star Wars story now. And I'm enjoying it a lot at this point. So again, you know, it's good. I'm taking my time with it, you know, just a couple issues at a time, but it's uh it's good. There's a lot going on. I'm sure uh, if I talk too much more, Jared might show up, but we'll We'll, uh, we'll move on until I actually get to the end and have like concrete decisions and concrete uh, formulations here. Gotcha. Interesting. Good stuff. Um, Steven, are you reading anything interesting? Yeah, I'm uh, in terms of comics. I picked up Star Wars 25 today, so haven't read it yet, but I own it. Um, and I also recently picked up the Mando comic. Um, haven't <laughs> read that yet, but I own it. Um, but I that's am the first reading, step. huh? That's the first step. It's the it's the first step. Yeah. Um, but I am currently reading Shadow of the Sith, which uh, is oh, not awesome. a comic book. Love that's okay. It, we do books. Oh, it's so good. I I am loving that book. It's so it's. Um, I personally wasn't a fan of the Rise of Skywalker, but speaking of changing your opinion and changing your mind on things, this book is like a magic trick for me in that way. Is that I remember I left the theater and I was like, wow, I really didn't like that. And then reading this book, I'm like, huh, hmm, it's kind of <laughs> kind of changing my opinion on things. And I really didn't anticipate that at all. Like it was not wow. something that I anticipated. There is like Ochia Bestoon is a very interesting character to yeah, me. Yeah, he's awesome. He's so fun. I feel like we talk him about him every it. episode somehow. He's <laughs> he's like I remember when he was introduced in the movie and I'm like, who is this? Like I don't know who this guy is. And then he's introduced in the Vader comics. So yeah. cool there. And then he's fascinating in this book because he's older and just like mad. Just curmudgeon. <laughs> he's such a yeah. curmudgeon. And I don't know. So I'm not trying to take up too much time, but like no, you're good. I am I'm I was very excited for this book and it's, I'm loving it so far. So it's uh, especially based on um, it's just filling in gaps, not only between episode six and seven, but between uh, eight and nine. It's, uh, it's great. I'm, I'm digging the book. Yeah. I'm glad to hear it. It just, it just feels good to have more sequel trilogy contents, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I've been asking for more sequel trilogy content for so long and it feels good to be, you know, getting it finally. And and you're right. Like as much as I love the sequel trilogy, it is my favorite trilogy. I do admit, you know, there's definitely some gaps that need filling. And this is like step one in filling those, those gaps. And it, it does make me happy. So. Yeah. But I think the book to me is doing what Clone Wars did for the prequels hmm, in that the prequels when they, I think a lot of people, now we're like the prequels are amazing and i'm like yeah but there was like a lot of un like sifo-deus in general <laughs> what was who was sifo-deus no one knew who he was and then a lot of the books and clone wars and all of that filled in the i think star wars does this where it, it tells a story in not a linear fashion it's always kind of been that way and it's continuing to be that way and i just love it yeah, like one of the things we hear, especially especially yet specifically as fans of the comics, we love it when Star Wars can like introduce a thread, and then someone else, like you know Charles Soule specifically, can come in and like just pull that thread and weave that one thread into a different tapestry. So we start with like a small little baseline, like everyone's favorite, you know, one 
one of my favorite scenes from the uh, episode four is the uh, cantina scene when they walk into the moss sites mm. of the cantina. You see like 50 creatures, each one. And you're like, oh, each one of these is as interesting as Han Solo, probably. And each one has their own uh, like, you know, characterization there. So uh, when Star Wars introduces like, for like a better term, um, a smorgasbord, like something for people to pick apart and expand mm. on later, that's when it's at its best. Agree. Yeah, yeah. yeah, completely agree. I mean, take Lobot, for example. We all <laughs> yeah, love Lobot right. now. <laughs> love it. Good stuff, everybody. All right. So uh, we're going to move right into our main topic. Speaking of like obscure characters that we love now, uh, I mean, this is a group and not a character, but I associate Mandalorian with the Mandalorian. Anyways, uh, so so we're celebrating the start of the Mandalorian adaptation by talking about Mandalorians in comics. And um, as I was writing the description for this week's episode, I was like, wow, OK, canon is like canon comics specifically are really lacking in Mandalorian content. Like, I mean, other than there being like a Mandalorian in a story, there's no like lore or anything like that that we get in canon but before we dive too deep into the topic caleb do you want to introduce the the the, what we're going to be talking about this evening absolutely and that is one of the big things we talked about yeah as i have here is that uh there is mandalorians in comics kind of if you want to look at it in like a historical like a real world historical sort of thing there's the the dark horse in the marvel era and the dark horse was was like the golden age. There was so much Mandalorian content coming out with the Old Republic. Uh, they had a couple of Jango Fett uh, and Boba Fett stories like every, all the time. We'll may get into whether or not Boba Fett is really a full Mandalorian. Like he is, but he's made not the best example of it. But there's so much other uh, stories going on with the prequels and the time period. Mandalorians were definitely a, a feature of those uh, comics. Now here in the Marvel issues, like I think we went for the entire Star Wars twenty like twenty fifteen run to twenty twenty run, and like again the only like Mandalorian thing we talk about is Boba Fett. So there's nothing really in this new uh, era of Marvel that's really been touching on that, save for the new the uh, new comic series, which it's good, but it is also just retelling the uh, television show. So so we're not getting right. uh, a lot of new content. We're not digging much deeper. Uh, like I think the only thing I found canon wise in the new Marvel series was the uh, would be the Darth Maul son of Dathomir comic, which featured Death Watch as the backup and have the um, the baddies backing up uh, Maul in that series, right? Yeah, they're the, the muscle for sure. Exactly. So, uh, you know, did pull us out like in the Dark Horse era, we had like eight specific Django and Boba Fett stories, like each one, like yeah. a whole mini series. So, no, we'll uh, maybe after this uh, series run its, runs its course, we might be getting some more Mandalorian uh, specific comics and some new series uh, for those characters. Like uh, we'll might talk a little bit more of this later, but I would love to see an armorer story from the Mandalorian. Ooh. That would be perfect in comics. Exactly. Yeah. So she doesn't talk much anyway. So, you know. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Are we are we gonna be talking about like our wish list later? Yeah. I don't uh, want to uh, spoil it. Okay. Yeah, sure, why not? Let's uh let, okay. I, I will save my I comment. I have the wish then. list here. So let's okay. uh, let's talk about it then. Uh so 
before we get into like our wish list, we still have to fill out the show. So let's talk about some more specific characters here. Um, you know, uh, I've, I've picked out several here. Does anyone want to jump in with someone that you want to talk about right now? Uh, I have to assign some names, but just grab one that you want to talk about. Can I say one that's not on the list? Absolutely. Wait, but she's not in comic. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> were, were you about to say? I jumped, uh, I jumped the gun. I jumped the gun. Yeah. You all know who I was going to say. <laughs> I don't. You don't. Take a guess. I, I have no idea. Bo-Katan, but I was like, Bo-Katan. oh, oh God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Never mind. She should be in comics, though. She'd be a great comics character because she's like a little sassy. She's not, you know, very long spoken. I think I might have just spoiled my wish list. Never I'd totally mind. get behind that, though. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you know, that she's definitely like Kathy. This, she's a good vision of what the new, uh, what a new Mandalorian, what the should be but if we want to look way back back then uh there was a really fun character in the knights of the old republic comic called rohan dre he's from john jackson miller's knights of the old republic series and like he is such a fascinating character he during this time era like this is when the mandalorians are a organized uh like army like a military and they are tackling the jedi head on uh meanwhile roland dre here he has the the given he's been given the title of the questioner because he's trying to find out what happened to mandalore the leader and why the mandalorians who are always down for a good scrap but why are they fighting the jedi like he's the only mandalorian really in that era who's saying i know like i'm enjoying this fight like the jedi are good adversary but why are we here so you can almost say he uh, represents like the proud independent side of the Mandalorian people looking out, not just for the fight, but for the reason behind it. Uh, you know, he's you know, almost as hunted by his own fellow uh, warriors of Mandalore than he is by the Jedi because he constantly butts heads with someone. Like he, if you have not read the old Republic series, like, but you want to know more about Mandalorians, he is a great character to focus in on. That this is that was a very interesting description as someone who has not read the Mandalor uh, the Mandalorian, um, the Old Republic. So that was that was interesting to hear. He sounds he doesn't he sounds like somewhere in between. Like if I were to put this in like modern terms, I would put him somewhere in between Bo-Katan and Satine. Like not a pacifist, not an extremist, but like somewhere in the middle like i i find that very interesting yeah he's he's a very fun character and you know i said we almost never see his faces so that makes it even cool like that just helps his his coolness factor there must be a mandalorian thing absolutely <laughs> <laughs> love it who's next on our list um oh dinjarin i think it's me yeah 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 steven take it away so i okay so dinjarin um what do you want me to say? Like, what should I say about this guy? Because I think that it, the, I, I think of all the Mandalorians other than Boba Fett and Jango Fett. I mean, I think even nowadays, um, Din Djarin is probably the most well-known, like in terms of pop culture, probably the mm-hmm. most well-known Mandalorian out there. Um, yeah. I think, and I'm not, I'm not trying, I'm trying not to jump the gun and talk about uh, Jango Fett and open seasons. But one thing that I really love about Open Seasons is that it does tie into season two 
of the Mandalorian. Like I recently read that comic and the whole backstory of uh, just being what it means, what it means to be a Mandalorian versus me, being a foundling. Um, I don't know. I just, I, him as a character is, he is so fascinating to me because this connection between him just trying, he goes through, I think what we all go through is some sort of an identity crisis is trying to figure out like, wh who am I and how do I connect to my culture? And then once you've learned I don't know. It, it might not be all it, it's cracked up to be, or you might've been lied to. Um, you kind of have to figure out who you are after that. And I think that's kind of where he's at in the show. Um, I, I do have a theory, by the way, can I give you guys a theory about uh, uh, Din Djarin and Please Grogu? Please do. Okay. Why so, not? so in season two of the Mandalorian, no, and it's, it, no, it's actually in Book of Boba, Boba Fett. It's in Boba Fett. Yeah. Yeah. Where we learn about Tar Vizsla. Hmm. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. So in that, they talk about how Tarvisla is both Mandalorian and Jedi. They specifically call that out in the show. I don't think that's just some fun lore piece that they were like, oh, let's just give everyone a history lesson on this. We very specifically are shown that Din Djarin is a Mandalorian. That's what he identifies as through and through, definitely to a fault. We also simultaneously see Grogu going through Jedi training to become a Jedi. And he works with, with Luke and also eventually doesn't. But like that, I, I think that the two of them are going, to, this is my theory, the two of them are going to become the next, the next Tar Vizsla in that they're both Mandalorian and Jedi, but together at the, the same time. Like a Banjo and Kazooie of of Tarvis this that is that's my favorite analogy in the history of the universe <laughs> i <laughs> love that 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 i do like that a lot like din Djarin is such a great you know mandalorian like it's it's sometimes like he's such a ma great mandalorian that there's times when i see his name like who's din oh yes the mandalorian <laughs> yeah right. he is, i know like, that's very relatable like, he's like in general like a very relatable character i don't i don't know if there's another mandalorian that's as relatable as him because he goes through you know like steven was saying that whole identity crisis and trying to figure out what to do and i also just like see seeing the the softer side of mandalorians because we, we always get to see them being like really tough except for maybe like satine just because she was a pacifist but mm -hmm. I, I don't think that that counts as like being soft or you know but yeah. anyway anyways i think it's like nice seeing him you know care for like the family like the first thing we see him care about are the foundlings when he gets his beskar from um the clients right. and yes. he you know Werner he Herzog. has the armor yeah we're her no, it's, yes. it's the client the client yes. <laughs> we'd like to see the baby yes uh and he melts it down for the foundlings because he like cares about the foundlings so immediately we're like oh He's like more compassionate than other Mandalorians we've seen before. And then at the end of the episode, he shoots IG-11 to save Grogu from, or at the time, the child, uh, from, from being kidnapped or shot or whatever IG-11 was going to do. Um, and then he like goes out of his way to rescue him from the person that he brought him to. So I think he's just like 
I think he's so sweet. Honestly, I, he has such a soft heart under that hard armor. <laughs> exactly. The best thing I, the best description I ever heard of the Mandalorian, it's the, um, it's it's a millennial working dad with a terrible breaking down car, work trying to make it uh, ends meet in the gig economy. <laughs> oh, R.I.P. to the Razor Crest. I know that was uh, so sad. Like, don't get me wrong. I like I like the Naboo Starfighter. It's really right. cool. It it's, is cool. It is an homage to to George Lucas doing American Graffiti because it's it's this hot rod vehicle. But I I like the Razor Crest a lot. Like I miss I do it. Too. <laughs> I feel like it was I feel like it was starting starting. Okay, don't come at me in the the chat in the comments later on in any way. I feel like it was starting to become as iconic as the Falcon. I really yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I don't I'm glad think that's, that that's not unpopular. Yeah, but here's the thing, though. I think it's a very intentional shift between the Razor Crest and the Nadu Starfighter mm. because the Razor Crest is it is Din Djarin as a bounty hunter. That's what he is. Right. He's and he like there's a cry there's a, a oh, chamber the in there. Cryo troop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he can freeze people in there. Many people. Um, whereas the Nadu Starfighter is not that. It, and right. I think that it's that's an intentional shift in his arc as a character. And I don't think we've entirely seen that yet because it's been in two episodes of, of television. Season three comes out in February, just in time for my birthday. It's so nice that they did that. But nice. it's, <laughs> it's February, right? February It's February 2023, I think, that it comes out. I think that sounds right Something. to me. Yeah. yeah. I think that's it. I think that's it. Yeah. Anyway, I guess we'll find out then. Um, yeah. I've got lots of theories of what's going to happen in that show, but we don't have to. I love it. I know. I, I could my, I could talk about Din Djarin all day. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, my favorite thing about him is that he is kind of the vehicle for Mandalorians to kind of be repopularized in the general public and, yeah. and in yeah. canon. And he's the vehicle for a lot of change. Um, and like, I feel like it, we're just budding on getting a very large, very expansive project, like hoping, um, you know, there was some teases with, with Tarvisla stuff from rebels, you know, Kanan working with, uh, you know, Sabine and Ezra. And, and there was a lot of conversation within all that. And we we've gotten to see Mandalorian culture, but I feel like through Din, we're getting a, a different perspective and flipping everything that we know on its head and knowing there's a lot more than just what we have known and not, it's not just that there's another way, but there are multiple ways to be a Mandalorian. And that's fascinating. Well, and yeah. even, uh, Oh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. I, I just wanted to really quickly say that I love that you brought up the fact that he's bringing change. And I, I know you meant like in the star Wars universe, but I, I feel like he's also bringing change like in the way we see Mandalorians mm -hmm. like here on Earth, because I feel like for a long time we used to see them as kind of like dude bro -y, you know, like CrossFit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and and now I feel like I feel like that image is starting to flip, at least at least for me, it is like I see Boba Fett differently because of Din Djarin and I see. I see. Well, I see Boba Fett differently also because of the book of Boba Fett. But but still, I mean, I feel like this new era of storytelling in general has been really good for like, you know, the view of Mandalorians as a group. Yeah. One thing with that, too, just in terms of Timothy, you mentioned them becoming re like recognized and popular popularized in pop culture. I think something that's been interesting with that is and I thought I thought about this when I was reading and I've thought about this a couple of times, but when I was reading the uh, open Django Fett open seasons 
comic. Um, there's a lot of Mandalorian lore in there, and 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 what it means, both being like a foundling and just um, just what it means to be a Mandalorian. But there's just that culture is so rich and deep and interesting. And you know, you look at something like Game of Thrones, where and there's you know re- coming out soon, House of the Dragon. Um, there, there, and Lord of the Rings and Tolkien and just all of that. There is this deep culture that it is it has become very popular throughout the years and has become people like to theorize and speculate about it online. Whereas we haven't really had that with Star Wars. It, it, we've had people talking about it online, but now we have it where it's it, it's on Disney Plus and people are able to talk about Mandalorian culture and and Tar Vizla. And this isn't something that's just a deep cut. It's I don't know. Right. I just it's just exciting to see this like deep Star Wars lore become something that's popular. I dig it. Yeah. Well, you've talked about um, open seasons a bit and I, I have, we, no, 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 that's no, perfect. Good. It's a perfect, it's, it's a perfect tra- it's transition. <laughs> yeah. And because it's next. And one of the cool things um, I will say, this made me think back to Trevor and Jose on Star Wars archives did an incredible deep dive um, on Django Fett and on this particular series. Um, so we're going to walk through it, but then I definitely recommend checking out their episode um, whenever you can. So Django Fett Open Seasons, it's a four-issue miniseries, right? Written by Hayden Blackman um, and drawn by uh, Raymond Box. And it revealed the history of Django back in 2002. So Django got super popular. Um, I mean, this is right around Attack of the Clones, you know, really digging into it. Um, Fett's father um, aided uh, by, he aided the true Mandalorians, is what they were called. Um, and then when Death Watch found out, they killed the family, although Django escaped. So there's a lot happening there already. He would join the true Mandalorian as a foundling, as Stephen has alluded to, um, and then mentored by their leader, Jaster Muriel, who's a previous pseudonym used for Boba uh, before the prequels and has since been a name used by both of the Fets when undercover, which is really cool to see how all this is kind of all tangled back together. Um, and, I don't know. So and, far, and yeah. Just a real quick thing. If you read the uh, Arabash and the chain code that, he, that Boba Fett reveals, yes. you do see uh, uh, Jaster's name in there. I think it's spelled a little differently. That's so but cool. I love that. Which that's is just so a cool. whole nother level. <laughs> and yeah. I, I think I think that's what it was that triggered Trev and Jose to kind of do their little deep dive spiel on it. Um, but yeah, so when the Mandalorians um, first appeared in the Clone Wars animated series, um, you know, a lot of the aspects of their background, they were markedly different from what had been established in the comics and the novels. Um, and I know there was a lot of kind of drama behind the scenes with all of that. Um, but Lucas essentially decided that Jango was not a Mandalorian. It was explained as he was not a Mandalorian by birth, but as a foundling, as was established in this particular series. Um and that kind of set up the whole Mandalorians taking in orphans thing, which we've seen in the Mandalorian now, um, which is interesting. So animated series also brought back Death Watch um, as a sect within Mandalorian society. And now they were rogue and just wanted to reestablish the violent warrior days um, rather than the pacifist ones that, you know, our, our lovely dearest um, Obi-Wan love Satine is all for. Um, it even went so far as to name the leader of the current Death Watch pre 
a nod to Tor Vizsla, uh, the leader of the Death Watch in the comics, setting the two up as members of the same clan. I love, Stephen, you mentioned like the Game of Thrones kind of references. I love how political the Mandalorians are. Yeah. That's, that's one of my driving things. I love the family dynamics. I love the cutthroat, you know, who are you? Do you belong here? Do you not? The clans. Um, yeah. Are you a real Mandalorian as, you know, as we're getting with, with Bo-Katan, you know, confronting Din and in, in the series, you know, there's so many angles that come at it. And I, I live, I live for that drama and I want more of it. Yeah. <laughs> I have a question. Go for it. Yeah. So Vizsla, there's Tar Vizsla, mm-hmm. OG, um, Jedi Mandalorian. Is that lineage, does that go up to the, the Vizslas in Rebels? Yeah, yeah, it's it's the same class. Yes. Oh, okay. But Tarvisla, that was when was that in terms of BBY? Wikipedia to the rescue. Uh, I'm over I think a thousand that's years like ago. Old Rep- that's what I thought. Yeah. It was a, yeah, over a thousand years ago. So yeah. oh, so like after the old republic. Interesting. Yeah. So Darth Bane time period? Mm, around that time, yeah. Okay. Interesting. I always think whenever uh, I hear the name Tarvisla, I always think of that little um, animation. <laughs> it's oh, in an animated mm-hmm. show, but the little animation from right. Rebels. Yeah. yeah. With like him holding the dark saber in the Jedi temple. And it's really uh-huh. cool. Yeah. Yep. And then Kanan going on, on his angry rant kind of later on of like, you lost that war. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> love that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really interesting. The open seasons had so many references to Clone Wars and Mandalorian. I noticed um, a lot of like visual references to the Mandalorian on this um, read through, like um, the way that, you know, when Jango was a kid and he was getting rescued by one of the Mandalorians and he was being like held in the Mandalorian's arms as they were like flying away in a jetpack. That was like in his flashbacks. That was like the exact same like composition of like the shot, even. It was it was kind of wild to see. And and also just all the stuff with the Clone Wars, um, you know, uh, seeing the, the Vizslas and um the separatist stuff with like Dooku yeah, mm-hmm. in the background. Like that was also interesting. I know that doesn't have to do with Mandalorians per se, but it's still it was still really cool. And just seeing like the process of how they picked what they call the prime clone like that was that was really cool yeah that was pretty nuts uh i also reading that comic it was interesting i didn't realize the it has that flashback with dooku and oh yeah when when um, the jedi attack the the mandalorians that was crazy i didn't small one no i think think that i think that's in open seasons Right? Oh yeah. No, I think that they both have know. flashbacks. <laughs> now I'm getting Wait, the mixed no, up. No, Darth Maul wasn't a flashback. That was real time. You're right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because it had okay, because I was trying to figure out who the other Jedi were, but I would have known in the Darth Maul one because that one's canon. So never mind. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember who the other I think the only Jedi that we knew were uh was was Dooku. Because he references, yeah. he says he's like that was when I um started to doubt the Jedi or something like that. Mm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I remember that now. Yeah. It was just also seeing um, Django's original armor 
looked much like a lot like Boba Fett. There was only like one tiny difference. And then when he got captured, they quote unquote restored his armor. So I think that that silver color that we see in Attack of the Clones, I think that's supposed to be like pure unpainted Beskar mm-hmm. based on that. That's mm-hmm. that's my assumption. Because if he restored it, if the guy that captured him restored the armor, means maybe he like buffed the paint out or something. <laughs> and then like it that. leaves like, yeah, it leaves the silver. So maybe like all Mandalorians start off with this silver armor, but after a while yeah. they, they, they want to, you know, prestige and get like better paint jobs and, you know, ch- differentiate themselves out. So maybe in Mando season three, Din will get tired and go and just spray paint himself up a little bit. Yeah, maybe like it could be like in Jedi Fallen Order, you get to pick your poncho color. You exactly. get to pick your armor color. <laughs> 20 ponchos. Exactly. Well, and maybe he'll been pick a, hot pink. They've always been a bit mercenary, so that makes sense. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. And especially like, you know, how the clones um, kind of personalize their armor. I know it's like different material, different base color and stuff like that, but, you know, Still. they could do stuff around like the, you know, the little T visor and all that. All that stuff. It, it was a really interesting comic, and I'm, I'm glad that I read it again. I'd read it before for something on Legends Look Back. I don't remember, but I read it again to jog my memory um, for today, and I'm very glad I did. Yeah. Absolutely. Speaking of Legends, we have one last like major Mandalorian character we want to talk about. I haven't yeah. read all of the series yet, but it, this is a, an important one. This is Mandalore the Indomitable from Tales of the Jedi. The what Sith a name. War. What a name. Like, you know, when you became the leader of the Mandalorians is the Mandalore. And they kind of, in this era, they took on different names like the Undefeatable, the Indomitable. Uh, I do want to also mention this one. Uh, this is the only non-human Mandalorian we've talked about so far. Because back in this oh. era, they did not really care too much about what race you are. You know, Mandalore, That's interesting. Yeah, this one was actually what the original Mandalorian race, uh, the the Tong. I was just doing a quick deep dive on Wikipedia. Apparently, they were the original inhabitants of Coruscant. Fascinating. Wow. Okay, that's really interesting. <laughs> exactly. Until they were kicked off by the Jedi and the humans and all like that. So, so Coruscant, that's cool. if not for the Jedi, Coruscant could have been the a Mandalorian, Mandalorian it, well, planet. It, it is the Mandalorian oh. homeworld, technically. What? Oh, in legends wild in legends that's so there's cool. a little bit of truth in legends exactly yeah. exactly so mandalore the indomitable like if you like if you're wowed you just wait till the, this he is challenged by the fallen well, i read the first couple issues but just in the first few issues he's the leader of the entire mandalorian people uh and when when he was challenged by the fallen jedi ulik Queldoma as a duel to uh, the death across uh, to lead the Mandalorian people or to sway them to his sides. And they duel across mighty giant, like huge chains uh, across a ruined uh, gulf between two towers. Metal. It's, it is metal. Yeah. It's great. Uh, <laughs> like he like manages to defeat the, the uh, dark Lord, his defeat at the dark Lord's hands. Like he's like ready to sacrifice his life, but you know, Kildorma is like, I have bigger plans for you as they, uh, as he, this is like the first time that the Mandalorians are directly tied to the Sith as they, as like mm. a tool, as a weapon for the Sith. And this is a theme that is uh, pushed on throughout the rest of Star Wars, legend and comics, uh, because we clearly see that, you know, the, probably the most prevalent, uh, biggest one we have is Maul, like twisting the uh, Death Watch of the Mandalorians to his side, you know, Mandalorians, uh, we might talk a little bit 
uh, more, but they seem, even though they're not force wielders, they always seem to be in opposition to the Jedi. They always seem to be on the same side of Sith. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And interesting, Justin in the chat says there's a Wookiee Mandalorian in the KOTOR comics. That's, I can't imagine that. How do you fit the, how do you fit armor for uh, It's bespoke. Um, you, you make your own armor. It's like custom molded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like it's like um Beskar infused rocher tree. Exactly. The yeah. Beskar big and tall. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh god, I couldn't oh, imagine how so funny. trying to close shop in the Star Wars universe, all the different sizes that must be there. Yeah, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As someone insane. who works in e-commerce, I don't understand how they have their sizing and make any profit. Yeah. No, it beats me. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So let's move into uh, some more like overall topics. Uh, let's like well, I titled this like what makes a Mandalorian? Like what like when we say that word, we as Star Wars fans have a lot of uh, like the same idea, but also some different ideas. Well, let, let's dig into this a little bit more. When someone says oh, if they're a Mandalorian, do you always picture them with the armor? Uh, yeah. I will say I did until the Clone Wars. I did until the Mandalorian, actually, because I was like, oh, I could. It's 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 funny, though, because, Tim, you're right. We see them all the time, like without their helmets in mm-hmm. um, in the Clone Wars. But I honestly I don't think I thought about it until until Mandalorian when I keep wanting to call him Pedro um, <laughs> when um <laughs> when Din Jaren took off his helmet and then he like changed into into the disguise for the like tank driver um I was still like oh that's a Mandalorian like he didn't change just because he's not in the outfit I guess and I and I, f- I would feel that way about Boba Fett because I consider Boba Fett to be a Mandalorian I know that's up for debate but like he, we see him without the suit a lot and I, I still consider him to be a mandal it's an interesting thought experiment honestly what do you think caleb um i think you know depends on the era but definitely like in the more modern era like there's Mm -hmm. there's been a split across the mandalorian culture there are you know people like um not why am i blanking on it um but obi-wan's crush uh senator satine senator satine like obviously she's a mandalorian and like she she and her people have taken a very different path, a very different tact. They're still Mandalorian uh, because they are still very passionate about what they do. They've like taken all their like aggression and put it towards different things. We definitely see that with uh, Satine and the uh, our Sabine and their artwork and all like that. And Mandalorians like very passionate for their artwork. So uh, we definitely could say a Mandalorian is still a Mandalorian without their armor, but. I'm not sure if I would, I would prefer if they were to make a, another comics character, they would like have to put a Mandalorian in their armor, you know? Now, you know, as we, as your short over there says, you know, even though you can have the Mandalorian armor, that does not necessarily make you a true Mandalorian warrior. So. Yeah, the, little- the, the warrior component kind of matters. Uh, I, I think, and that tends to be, I guess, how I, I guess whenever I first think of the word, I immediately think to that aspect of them. Um, but if I spend more than a couple seconds on it, I'm like, I, I want more. There's more there and I want it. Like what there's, there's gotta be times when they're not fighting. What are they like when they're not fighting? 
or are they just picture... always fighting? Yeah, I was gonna say I don't picture a time when they're not fighting. I don't think, <laughs> except for Din because he has a soft heart. Exactly. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they've got other extracurricular activities, like they play pickleball or something. Yeah, maybe maybe they're just really good at pickleball or volleyball or something. Yeah, or maybe Which probably uh, leads to fighting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, they probably play Sabak again leads to fighting mm. but mm-hmm. you know it's a hobby though you know something they do they probably gamble away like pieces of their armor and stuff like my armor is more valuable than your armor i'm all in like <laughs> exactly so speaking of armor like what about the helmet like where do we stand on them showing their face or not i never understood the whole face rule like just let them show their face what's the big deal like they did it in the clone wars i think that's like I think that's like super extremist of them to do. Like, what is the big deal if they show their face? I mean, everybody has to eat and breathe and stuff. And to have to do that in solitude, that doesn't seem very Mandalorian to me because they seem very like group oriented. So to have to force everyone to do all those things alone, that seems kind of backwards. So I'm, I'm, ant- I'm, I'm pro showing your face. <laughs> you heard it here. It was an anti-masker. <laughs> please do not take that out of context yes for the record uh i am pro be, be careful out there pro people, mask please. anti-helmet there we go there we go unless there you're riding go. a bicycle was, mm. <laughs> or a motorcycle or an atv or anything dangerous you're playing hockey <laughs> yes playing hockey yes that was oh, a bad time when them. the nhl there's didn't require there. helmets yes <laughs> football you know, okay, never mind. I will say with just the whole, because something that's interesting to me about the Mandalorians and the whole helmet versus no helmet thing is it's kind of contingent upon whatever um, family or house or clan or creed or whatever that you're a part of. It's that all of them seem to have their own different belief and philosophy as to what the right way to do it is. I think there's parallels into our own world into just there's different sects and uh versions of different uh religions and some religions all stem from one thing and then all kind of uh splinter out and have their own belief as to how it should how things should be done and i think that's the same with the mandalorians is that when when we started the show i remember i remember when season one of the Mandalorians started and they wouldn't take their helmet off. And ever there was this outrage online. People were like, they've broken canon because they took them off in the Clone Wars. What's going on? And then eventually, of course, we explained it and we got to that. I'm like, just give us time. We're getting there. Mm-hmm. And that was eventually explained. And I think it's just really interesting to see that. I mean, we see this also in just other aspects of Star Wars is that we're seeing this in the High Republic right now is that we have jet regular members of the jedi order but then you also have um what way seekers way seekers yeah mm-hmm. um and then and and then there's also like uh what's her name the hired the hired gun oh ty york ty york mm-hmm. yeah and so i i just i love this about star wars is it's not just that here's this group of people and they're all the same and they all believe in the same thing and no, that like things splinter off and uh, and there's different belief structures even within the different 
sections of the galaxy. I think that's really cool. Exactly. In my attempt to summon Jared here, if you read the old uh, Republic uh, comic series, one thing that often comes up is there's several sects of Jedi, several large groups of Jedi mm. during the Clone Wars are like, we are absolutely in the wrong here. We should not mm. be in this war. Like, you cannot be a Jedi, a, a, a knight of peace, and be a general in an army. That doesn't make sense. Mm. That's cool. Yes, so we see that a little bit in the High Republic too, in, in light of the Jedi. Yeah, we definitely yeah. see that. I, yeah, one thing, oh boy, we're about to go on a huge tangent about the High Republic, but you know, there <laughs> is a huge amount of like differentiation in how, like, even in the like council itself, how people see the Jedi uh, themselves and how they want to do things. So that is a very in, a great part of the you old know, Star Wars, and by more specifics, this Mandalorian culture of how different, like, a person or a group can be so but to let's get a little bit more about uh archetypes here so what about a mandalorian since we talked about their equipment what about their character you know uh like how does a mandalorian do they always act in a certain way like if you you give them the same stimulus will they always get the same reaction here like are they always a kind of shoot first ask questions later type I feel, I feel like, like that's I, our first instinct, right? Like not not all of them are like that, but that's like almost like like how they're trained. Um, cause because like in the Clone Wars, um, with Satine, everybody was mad or not everybody, but like people like in Death Watch were mad at her because they're like violence and and fighting is our way. Um and and so I think that that's just like almost in their in their blood, but in terms of other aspects of their character, I also feel like they're very strict with themselves and with each other. Um, kind of like, you know, if you act differently than they expect you to, um, I feel like they kind of criticize each other for that in a way. Like if, if you act differently, I saw this in the, uh, in the Darth Maul son of Dathomir uh, comic mm -hmm. with how like, um, uh, oh, what was his name? Fisla. It was one of Vizsla's, right? No, oh, it was the guy from Rebels. Um, hmm. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, the blonde guy, the the yeah, the the, the, the one that we don't shoot. Like. What was his name? Saxon, Gar Saxon, Gar Saxon. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Thank you, okay. Justin. <laughs> Thank you, Justin. Oh my goodness, yeah, saved. Um, yeah, Gar Saxon in, in that comic, you know. I think if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, I kind of read it quickly again because I had read it before. But he like kind of criticized. I remember her name, Rook Cast, was the mm -hmm. other one, and she was briefly in the Clone Wars. Um, kind of criticized her for how she was, you know, kind of acting, you know, being a quote unquote Mandalorian. So I feel like they're critical towards each other, and also sometimes critical towards themselves. I I kind of see that in. The Mandalorian more, but that's hard to tell if that's normal or if that's just because we kind of see an extremist group of Mandalorians. So yeah. I think I think their character is really interesting because it varies so much. Well, they there's very much an, an honor component to them, mm. um, like honoring the code, honoring you know what you stand for, and you know sticking to your agreements. Um, and then uh, you know anytime uh, in Rebels, we got to see a couple of duels, right? Like Sabine challenged. Yeah, uh, I think it was Saxon. Um, you know, and and went up with that whole ordeal. Um, and so there's 
they might be shoot first, but they do it within the rules of engagement. <laughs> um, yeah. so, so it's, it's weird that there is a, uh, um, kind of the honor component, but it's like a, a, a safe, I don't know. It's like a, a safe way, like whatever they do, they're going to do, but they're going to be justified in doing it. Um, because of the kind of setup that they've given. So, so. yeah, I, I agree with that completely. I think that's very obvious in their character. Honestly, Rebels, that uh, the Mandalore arc in season three of Rebels, you're right, is a very good character study of a few different group, like subgroups of Mandalorians and how they differ in their beliefs and ideals. I think that's super interesting. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So now here's a kind of a, a big overarching question here. Um, must the Mandalorians always be opposed to the Jedi? And like, I would just want to, you know, this might not be something you've thought of, but uh, you know, that was definitely like Mandalorians versus Jedi was a huge thing in the United States, the Old Republic comics, a lot of Legends content. But here in canon, like the most like well-known Mandalorian, Din Djarin, like he essentially stole uh you know, one of Luke's prime pupils away from him, like someone who reminded him of his own master. Like they weren't coming to blows, but there was definitely an opposition between being a Mandalorian and a Jedi. Like those two forces were in opposite uh, directions. Yeah, I think hmm, this is kind of tricky because, I mean, to Tim's point, the whole honor piece would say, yes, they must always be opposed to Jedi because they lost the fight. Um, so the honor part of them probably says, yes, they must always be opposed. However, I, I, I kind of feel like, you know how, like as generations go on stories from the older generations get lost, you know, that, that kind of idea, mm. I feel like that might be the same with, you know, it could be the same with Mandalorians. Like maybe the younger generations just don't hear as much about the Jedi and their battles with the Jedi. And maybe someday it'll just like fizzle out in a way. It's like, it depends. Like, if, is it built into a certain, you know, subsect um, culture, like their hatred for the Jedi? Are they well, revenge driven? Because not all of them are. And so I, I think it definitely depends. Exactly. Well, I feel like sometimes it's less of a revenge and like, you know, history sort of thing and just the way that their cultures are designed, I feel like they're too similar. There's too many parallels between the Jedi yeah. and the uh, Mandalorians. Like they're both very strict. They're both, both have long histories. They both have a lot of, you know, pride, honor in their uh, actions, sure. but they are just so slightly divergent that when they come across each other, like they, there's probably some respect, but also the, they cannot seem to exist in the same space for too long. Some of that too, I wonder, I wonder how much abilities plays into that. You know, the Jedi have this inherent force gift and, and get to do all these really cool things. And you see Mandalorians, it seems like always trying to play at that level. Um, so there's the pride thing of being on top, but you know, they, they match, they try to find ways to negate, um, everything that the Jedi have. And when you see people like or Mandalorians, like Boba and Django, you know, I'm just, I'm just a man trying to make his way through the universe kind of thing. I, I almost wonder if there's a little bit of a, um, of a nudge of, I don't like that you can do cool things, 
Mm-hmm. And so I'm just going to work that like, much harder to prevent that. I like from what, what, what I was about to say. Every single Mandalorian with, with worth their salt has a flamethrower, and right. you can't deflect a flamethrower with a lightsaber. <laughs> right, right, That's right. True. I, I mean, That's you know, true. they've got that. They've got the 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 kind of mini grapple thing that the fibro you know, cord kind of, whip. Don't ask me why yes, I know that. I love that you do. <laughs> That's um, amazing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'd I'd love that the the jetpacks, you know, be able to to fly like Jedi, you know. I there I see a lot of um um uh, I can't think of the word, but a lot of resentment maybe for mm-hmm. not not maybe having some of what makes them special. Well what you it's just like said reminds me of Batman and Superman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Tim, what you just said reminds me of again in Rebels, Trials of the Dark Saber, when um what was his name? The pilot guy. I don't know. You, you all know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. He, it's not coming to me right now. The pilot Mandalorian guy that comes mm. join in, to join the rebels. He gives um, Sabine like a bunch of tools that are supposed that Kanan says are literally designed to go against the Jedi. Yeah. So I think that proves your point in, in many ways, Tim. Yep. Absolutely. So I think this is it for uh, the discussions. But as I did tease, I did add this one here. Uh, since Marvel has taken the license, and even though Dark Horse is now back into it, uh, we haven't seen a really like Mandalorian focus in any of our stories. Uh, let's just say, you know, just for a fun discussion, you could change that. What would we like to see if in a new like if they named it like Star Wars, the Tales of the Mandalorians, like what do we want to see in a, a comic about Mandalorians? Okay. I mean, other than my obvious answer of Bo-Katan, um, well, what my Bo-Katan, what, I, what story I would want the Bo-Katan thing to be, I want to see like right before Mando season two, when we see her first, like what exactly happened for her to get to that point? Like, because she is mostly by herself, you know, she's got a few, a few people with her, but other than that, like, you know, she's not with death watch anymore. She's not affiliated with Mandalore anymore. Um, also we don't know how she loses the dark saber, right? Yeah. We don't, we don't, that's what I want to see. You know why she lost the dark saber? Cause I have it. Ah! <laughs> well done. I've been well waiting. Done. I've been waiting to take this thing out. <laughs> well done. I, I keep mine as a as a lamp. As a lamp, yeah. That, that lamp, by the way, is so cool. It took me a second because you're so you're kind of you're so small on my screen. So it took me a second to like figure out exactly what what that was. But yeah, I it. it's uh, right next to my uh, Star Wars coffee pot. <laughs> that is so funny i love that yeah. <laughs> but yeah bo-katan story my second was gonna be i can't remember her name but and and now i can't remember the actress's name either but you know the pro wrestler yes uh, oh yeah yeah, yeah oh but, i want to know more um, about her the other like the one. one in the trick yeah like the one in the trailer that was wearing the the, the mysterious cloak and we were all like oh my god it's so and so jedi um but then it wasn't and yeah, I think I think should be uh, really cool. Oh, Mercedes Farnado. That's her like real, real name, not her wrestling name. I still don't know her wrestling name. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember her wrestling name. Still counts. We're good. Starts with an S. <laughs> That's I think. Anyways, yeah, I, I want to see her story because 
well, she was a badass um, in the show. And what happened to that, that, that other guy? We never saw him again. I know he's you in know? one episode. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe that's the story we need. Like what happened in between when they came across Mando and then when Mando comes across them again, but they're missing a guy. <laughs> uh, that's that, that could be a lot of fun there. Uh, yeah. Steven, anything you want to uh, throw into this pile here? I'm always going to go back to High Republic. Big fan. Mm-hmm. I want to know because we there's references of what the the Mandalorians are doing during the High Republic era, but we don't really know mm-hmm. yet, do we? Like they there's mm-hmm. brief teases of of and mentions of the Mandalorians, but no, I don't think we know anything of what's going on during that time period. So one, Correct. I want to know that, and two, I kind of want more of not that we need it, but I want it more of a, a path of the dark saber of, of, we know where it started and we know mm. kind of where it's yeah. ended up in, you know, clone wars onward with a few gaps afterwards, you know, mentioning um, Sabine and how she lost it, but everything before that, like where, where has it been? And um, you know, sometimes the mystery is, is fun to have because it's fun to fill in the cracks with our own brain. But I also, I don't know. I want to know. I'm with you. Like, give me that. I want that. <laughs> yeah. Like even that would be, even if that was, whether it's, it's a comic or a TV series, you, it would be really cool to have some sort of an anthology series of the path of the dark saber. It doesn't have to be every yeah. step along the way, mm-hmm. but you could have just on um, the gaps, maybe at least. Yeah, like maybe it's a series of four to five different stories featuring the anthology of the Darksaber throughout time. And it's not that it has to have every single part of that path and every year along the way, but it's some sort of path of that. That could be cool. The dark, the dark saber throughout the ages. That's what we'll call it. I love that. I, I like it. That's a great pitch, Lucasfilm. I know you're watching. Make it happen. Listen, listen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, I am all pro more Satine content. Yes, Give it to this me, is a good put choice. Put it in my veins. Um, I would love to to live more within the struggles of the houses and how she's trying to set up a pacifist government. Um, you know, I, yeah. I I want to see that side of it. I think we've gotten so much of the. Um, I think, Emma, as you called it, the the kind of bros, we've gotten that version of of Mandalorians for so long. I would love to see this other side that exists that's kind of bubbling under the surface. Um, And the fact that she was able to come to power in that, um, what was it that got her there? What took the government in that direction? Um, I think there's a lot of rich Mandalorian lore from that perspective that I would love to dig my teeth into. Um, So yeah, big fan. Anything Star Wars politics, we need more of, I think. Yes. Yeah. It's always going to be my answer for for everything. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) Maybe one of these days we'll get a, the, uh, a game of Thrones, Star Wars crossover. Put it in my veins. I I don't think people would be mad. Exactly. All right. Um, I, I think, for what I would like to see in Star Wars comics, I feel like I mentioned this earlier, I would like to see an armorer comic. Like I'd like to see that yeah. foundation of like that Mandalorian colony for lack of a better term. Like, like where did they come from? Like, was it just one person who kind of had this giant idea of real you know, creating a Mandalorian, like an ultra 
like uh, conservative, for lack of a better term, Mandalorian, like uh, consulate and isolated sort of thing. Like, where did that come from? Like, what like led them to be that way? Maybe the armor has shown her face beforehand and is now like, you know, mm. doing everything she can and has wiped her identity clean with that new uh, Mandalorian thing. Yeah. Maybe she's running from something that she did in her past. AKA the spikes on her helmet, AKA the Maul DeLoreans. Mm-hmm. Oh. Exactly. <laughs> I always thought yeah. she might be just a Zabrak underneath there, but that could be good too. Oh, wait, that's interesting though. Cause like, mm. because we see, I mean, mm. in live action, even in the Clone Wars, anything animation, we've only ever seen humans under there. Mm-hmm. So I like your that, idea better. <laughs> that would be a cool reveal if she took that her would helmet be. off and she's not, I mean, just she won't take her helmet off. But if it happened, mm-hmm. she's not a human. Yeah. What a twist. Exactly. The strong gust of wind came and knocked her helmet off. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right uh i think that pretty much does it for this week's deep dive into mandalorians here that was a lot of fun that was a lot of fun i'm i'm glad we talked about that i hope we get more canon comics about them in the future because we need more of it and i i don't i don't i don't think it's far off honestly between everything that's happening in the mandalorian but go boba fett it's not far off i guarantee it I guarantee it. It's going to happen. All right. So next week, we've got some fun shows happening. Um, I was also telling everyone before the show that this is like something kind of strange that's happening in new teeny history. I think it's the first time anyone has ever produced all three live shows in a week. That's me. <laughs> cool. Blessings <laughs> yeah. upon you. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be great. It's going to be fun. Um, so for for us next week, anyways, we're going to be talking about our favorite Star Wars comics of all time. I'm shocked we haven't talked about that before, like in a more formal setting. I know we've all like mentioned, you know, but it'll be nice to have it condensed and, and discuss that. So that'll be fun. And then tomorrow on Legends Look Back, we are talking about the Empire Omnibus, um, mm. specifically the Glove of Darth Vader. Uh mm-hmm. Is that what we're talking about? Now I'm like, is it the glove of Darth Vader? I'm I'm like pretty sure. Let me vamp a little bit while I look. Uh, oh, I'm glad I checked. It's not the glove of Darth Vader. It's Darth Vader and the ghost prison. Specifically, Ooh, we're talking about. That's, a, that's the one. That's a that's great one. That's a great so, one. Yeah, I'm really excited to read it. Um, I'm going to read it tomorrow. And it's going to be, yeah, it's, it's going to be awesome. I've heard like really good things about it, um, particularly from Andrew on the team. He's like, it's like one of his favorite comics, period, like of all time. Um, so really high praise there. That's going to be fun. Um, and then Monday on The Living Force, we're going to be talking about the best Padawans in Star Wars, which is uh, in celebration and preparation for uh, the novel Star Wars Padawan by Kirsten White coming out um, the day after that. So Tuesday the 26th um so yeah that'll be that'll be a lot of fun uh tomorrow's Legends Look Back is at 9 30 Eastern Monday's Living Force is at 8 p.m Eastern um I always forget to throw the times in there but that's important because they're not all at 8 Eastern um so yeah that's gonna be a lot of fun Steven thank you for joining us again this was great thanks for having me it's always fun of course yes of course we, we love to have you back any time um 
I mean, as long as I test out the tech early. <laughs> I bring that uh, curse. Yes, bring the curse. I'll bring the tech and we'll be we'll be good. We'll be good. We'll both bring our dark sabers at least. That's oh, what God. we'll do. Mine's always here next always. to the coffee machine. <laughs> awesome. Awesome stuff. Well, everyone, that will do it for this week's episode of The Cosmic Force. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the show right here on YouTube, uh, where you can catch the show live every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern time. We also encourage you to subscribe to our audio version on any of your favorite podcast platforms. You can also follow us on Twitter and tweet the show at Cosmic Force Show to stay informed about Star Wars comics news or follow the hosts individually. I'm at IrmaJedi26. Caleb is at Caleb Lamanac. Timothy is at TC Guthrie2. And Steven is at Steven Z Smith88. For reviews, articles, and news for the rest of the expanded universe, be sure to visit utini.com. We encourage you to join our Utini Discord community by going to utini.com slash discord, and you can help support the show by heading to patreon.com slash utini and start receiving exclusive perks starting at just $5 a month. A special thank you to Brian Dooley, Patrick Ortiz, Earl Q, and Carl Sander on our Jedi High Council, and Elizabeth Cloutier and Sally and Chris Eilerson on our Alliance High Command for their amazing support. Thanks again to Caleb, Timothy, and Stephen for hosting with me tonight. A special thank you to all of our listeners. We truly appreciate you. See everyone next week. And as always, may the Force be with you. 